Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Mahomes and villain. That's the conversation. Why is that? Jeff Darlington interviewed Patrick Mahomes for ESPN, and Mahomes was asked about the idea of being a villain now. I would say so. Um, I I can definitely sense it. I I, I never felt like that because I've never been like that in my entire life. But you take uh, some pride in it to know that um, everybody doesn't like you. It's not for anything you've really done. It's just for winning. So if that means some other teams and other fan bases aren't going to like me, I'll try to still have a smile on my face and – and uh, not be a bad example, but I can be that villain for them if they if they need me to be. I got to be honest. Of all the storylines popping up for the Super Bowl, right? Mahomes closing in on Brady. Uh, Reed closing in on Belichick. Brock Purdy is he for real? Is he the truck? Is he the, what, the tractor or the trailer? Yeah. Game manager, game changer. Now I guess the the, the turf at the practice facility. All these storylines. One that I did not see coming was this. I did not see... Th- I don't know why. Maybe I'm just naive to this, Smalls. You're giving me a look. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm- I guess I'm naive to this. I did not think Mahomes and Villain in the same sentence, and now him in on this, was a thing? As the biggest Brady person on this desk, you saw it happen to your boy. So why don't you think it would happen to Patrick Mahomes? Because I thought he was universally loved. I thought he was it was blind love of like this guy is so amazing and so good and he's so innocent with everything he does and his teammates love him and all these things. He's not innocent. Okay. If, if you watch the Netflix special, he's not innocent. He's not a calculated guy, but this is a very confident guy that talks trash out on the field. He's the ultimate competitor. I wouldn't say he's innocent by any means. He knows what he's doing. He might not be doing it like LeBron and be tweeting out things and putting pressure on his organization. He may not be doing it like Aaron Rodgers, where he's making the front office bow to his every whim. But yeah. this is somebody who knows how great he He may be humble, but I don't think he's innocent. No, nah, he's a big stepper. Like yeah, when he's he on the that. field, he's letting those guys know about how great he is and how, um, you know, how they're going to, you know, beat whoever they line up against. Like, there's that air of confidence around them. You don't become great without having an ego. Yeah. You don't become great without being a super confident person. So that 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 oozes out of him when he's playing. I think he says all of the right things, and he does all of the right things. And a part of that is why people don't like him, because it's too perfect. And you combine that with the inevitability of the Kansas City Chiefs starting every season in the conference championship game and essentially going to four Super Bowls in six years – and now, because we've built him up, we can't wait to see who's going to be the one to dethrone him. And that's why I think it's easy to vilify him now because we're at a point with Mahomes and the Chiefs where it's maximum saturation. Like, you can't turn on the TV without seeing those guys in between commercial breaks. Like, that, that's just what it is. You see Patrick Mahomes, you see Travis Kelsey, you see Andy Reid, and I think because they're in your face in that way, and then we're seeing him on the biggest stages that the sport has to offer, 
we've gotten to a place where we now have a little bit of Chiefs fatigue and Patrick Mahomes fatigue. But make no mistake, it's not because of anything that Patrick Mahomes has done. Right. Yeah. I That's think, what I was going to ask I, you. I think this is just how public sentiment goes when you've seen this type of sustained success. So when we think about villains in sports today, a lot of times Draymond Green is brought up. Fair, right? Yeah. yeah. And we could look at it and say, well, Draymond is considered a villain because of this, this, and this. I want to make sure we're all on the same page on this. We don't have to be, but I think we are. That Mah- It's because of all of us fans that Mahomes is looked at as a villain, not because of anything tangible he has done. Is no. that correct? Yes, exactly. Okay, because that's a different type of villain, in my mind, than other types of, vi- of villains. But you have to have success, too. Otherwise, we just don't care about you. Exactly. Right. Like, exactly. You, you go to Well, Rada, Draymond's had go, success. Well, that's what I'm saying. That. But yeah. you could also go to route of Dylan Brooks. Like, Dylan Brooks is a villain, but we don't care about Dylan Brooks unless he's playing against LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's a non-factor. So, I mean, you have to have the platform, too. They're, they're, like, they're one, like they're, they go hand in glove. You have to have the platform where people can see you. And then, based on what you do, whether it's sustained success and or the antics that you might have, your personality being prickly, that, that's what opens the door for people to vilify you and for us to assign you the villain label. Yeah. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776, the telephone number to join the show. Do you look at Patrick Mahomes as a villain? Because we are not all in agreement on this one. You guys do, but for good reasons, like his level of success. And I, I ni- in my naive- naivete, how do you say naivete. that? Naivete. Right. With this specific topic, just look at it as like, how can you not like Mahomes? He's great. But both things can exist at the same time. You can like him and be in awe of his greatness and appreciate him while also being sick of him and thinking he's the villain. Like, I'm sure Bills fans have a healthy respect for what Patrick Mahomes is, but they probably hate the guy because he stands in their way of success and stands in their way of getting what they ultimately want, which is a Super Bowl. So interesting that you would put it that way, like you could appreciate his greatness but also want to want to see him lose. I, I'm, I'm curious to know what you would be rooting for in this hypothetical that could happen on Super Bowl Sunday. Say the Chiefs are down for no timeouts, a minute 30 to go, and have got to drive the length of the field. Do you want to see Patrick Mahomes pull it off, or do you want to see him lose uh, like that, that's the part give i don't the, know give the exact scenario again so down four down four no timeouts a minute 30 left in the super bowl and they've got to drive the length of the field do right. you want to see Mahomes pull it off or do you want to see him lose like i i get that we want to vilify him but i mean a part of that is you're rooting for the hero to come out on top and in that circumstance i don't know that i am i'm rooting for the competitive greatness of pat Mahomes to once again shine through that's what I want to see. So you want to see Mahomes in that? I spot. do. Yeah, so I, do I. I absolutely I'm for the, I want to see him win. I want to see him get close to Tom Brady. I want that to add a level of intrigue that we're going to see for the remainder of his career. Because if he does it, then all of a sudden we're talking about him in the same lens that we used to talk about Tiger Woods when he was trying to chase down Jack Nicholas. That's what I want to see. In your scenario, either way we win because one of two things happens, right? It's either he does it. And we're comparing him to Brady as the greatest of all time, or he doesn't, and we say, "Well, Brady would have done that." Down four, one thirty to go. So that is that. Where do we sign up for that? Can we please have that scenario? But here's the thing: I'm rooting for Brock Purdy and the Niners. I'm not rooting against Mahomes. I'm rooting for them. There are teams that I root against. Not in this case. In that scenario, I don't know how I'm going to sit there on Sunday night alone. I don't know how. Oh yeah. Why do we need that caveat? Because right. I I ain't going You're to Super very Bowl pointed parties. Yes. Alone. Meaning no Super Bowl parties for me. Absolutely not. That's Cannot. a whole other discussion. Go ahead and make your point. We'll get yeah, back to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, okay. we'll circle back. So in that scenario, how do I sit there and not root for a historic moment and me as a sports fan to witness that? Of course you got to root for that. 
you got to root for Mahomes to win the game in that spot because it's history. You're watching something that is impossible to do that this guy, who has reached every level of impossibility, would do again. And by the way, what I really want is for Purdy to be in that spot and do it. That's what I would dream of. But in this specific scenario, you have to root for Mahomes. Because you think the underdog and Mr. Irrelevant being the Super Bowl hero is more intriguing than consistent greatness? Is that what you're saying? I think that, that's what he's saying. No, that's exactly what he's saying. Sounds no, like it. No, because I think we're going to see consistent greatness from this guy. I think he's going to be the but guy not, that we're going to see the same level. No, because nobody's at the Mahomes level. But I think we could see consistent greatness from Purdy. I think we have a chance to see both of these guys with consistent greatness, just in different ways. I think ultimately, when you keep winning, even if you do it the right way, even if you are a likable person, it's human nature for us to be over you. So. It's, it's winning tax. It is, yeah. It's the tax of winning. Yes, and, it's, and it, has, it is not Patrick Mahomes' fault. It is not Andy Reid's fault. It is not Travis Kelsey's fault. It's not Steve Spagnuolo's fault. But I'm going to be cheering really hard for Brock Purdy because I think it's a remarkable story and because I've already seen the Chiefs do it. Now, if they win, then I will – it's not like I'm going to be bummed out about it. I'm going to have another – example of his greatness and of their greatness in a historical context. But I think sports is more fun when there's different winners, when there's new blood that gets inserted into the conversation. See, I don't like it. I like, I don't, I, I hear what you're saying. The whole parody argument. I, I like for there to be a clear, mm-hmm. you know, team that has had sustained success that has a chance to go on a dynastic run. Like I like to see that team that's on the mountaintop because it, it, la- it adds that, I don't know. It, it it creates it creates a polarizing narrative or a polarizing storyline every time you see them compete at a championship level. And I think that's where we're at with Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They are polarizing. Everybody has some kind of feeling about the Chiefs. There there is no middle ground when it comes to them. Either you love them or you hate them. Either you want to see Patrick Mahomes. Be, you know, be the best quarterback on the field every single week, or you want to see him fail. I don't think that there's any middle ground, and I think that's great for sports yeah. when you have both uh, both extremes, when you have that dichotomy. I think that's awesome. And so I, I would love to see Patrick Mahomes keep this thing pushing, being able to win three championships in five years, because, again, it opens the door to the Tom Brady convo, but then it also adds a level of intrigue in terms of the team that ends up being the pace car for the rest of the league. I think that's a good thing for the NFL. It is, but I think just by the nature of it, he's going to be the villain because they have sure. they have a very much of like a, if you come at the king, you best not miss attitude. No doubt. Which is great for sports, but it inherently makes you unlikable to a lot of people. I love it, but I also am over it. But, like both things can't exist. Yeah, y'all can't have all these good things. It's, yes. it's time. Yeah, y'all have all of these good things. Yes. Like you got Taylor Swift, you got the championships, you got you got the five hundred million dollar contract. Like you can't have all of these good Andy things. Andy Reid's eating cheeseburgers. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't, have, you can't have all of these good things. Dominance dominance is so much better for everything in sports because it, it actually magnifies the Niners win if they win. Your Super Bowl is bigger because you beat Brady and Belichick. There's no if you would have beaten another AFC team, it's not as big. It's still enormous because you won the Super Bowl. You beat Brady and Belichick. The second time around. The second time. Well, I'm saying you were on the team you were on. It happened once before. It did. (laughs) Right, but you weren't on that team. Was it really a a thing? Uh, We did it before. We did it again. Okay, we'll get your phone calls in coming up. It is ESPN on whether or not Mahomes is a villain. I'm taking my left ear piece out. I don't want to hear this. We're on Sportsman Life presented by Progressive Insurance. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Oh, sorry. I'm just singing. How dare you do Rihanna that, like that? Was that? that? Who, who was that singing right there? M- me? No, I'm talking about the hook. Rihanna let her sing. Okay, there you yeah, go. thanks. There Good you job. Go. Let, mm, let, let, mm. Rihanna, let Rihanna sing it. Don't you disrespect Riri like that. Yeah, I wasn't. I was singing along with her. Mm. No, that no. that's what she means by not disrespecting Riri. Don't sing along with her. Right. That's not you. Jeez. We, we are not at home in your shower. We are on <laughs> national radio and on national television. Please. I'm not a big singer in the shower. What? I, no, I, I have been in my life. Not currently. But now it's like I'm in and out. Like, get it over with. My kids, big singers in showers. Big singers in showers. Which I'm not mad at. You're a, a singer in the shower? Always. Yeah. Like, I love to get ready to music. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You don't? Uh, what's tough at 4 o'clock in the morning in a house well, obviously with, not. with people? Okay, but, for example, when we get ready here, we always have music going in the hair and makeup Bumping. Room. Always have bumping. the jams going. So. You got a ride in from your palatial estate. I imagine that you bumping on your ride in. No, Jay Reynolds, I see you, baby. Sports Center all night, bobbing my head. So, so not bumping. Steve in not Ohio, <laughs> listening on fourteen ten. But shout out to Steve? Scan though. We yeah. love Sports Center all night, Jay Reynolds. What's up, Steve? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Um, Smalls hit it earlier. It's not necessary for these people to be a specific villain. It's the winning complex. If you replace Patrick Mahomes with any other elite quarterback, Joe Burrow, if the Bengals go to five of the next six Super Bowls, people are going to hate the Bengals. It's not because they hate Joe Burrow. It's that winning complex. And it's not just the NFL. You think about when the Warriors were going to all these championships, people started to hate the Warriors because they were always there. People hate the Knicks, Saban, Alabama, Crimson Tide because they are always there. They want something different in sports. And it's, it, it's not the person, it's just the team. And when you're always there, people are going to find a way to say, oh, of course, of course Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are there. 
Of course, the Warriors are back in the in the championship. Of course, Alabama is going to the national championship because it's they're always there. Yeah, you I think there is any- something to the title tax. Is basically how I would describe it. Like that's the tax you pay for winning multiple titles. Is there any multi-title team in our lifetime that was not hated like this? The Bulls. That's the one that I would go to. The San Francisco Giants won three World Series in five years. I still don't know that people know that, which is the weirdest thing. Oh, they were hated though. That, were they? No. With everything that was going on around them, yeah, they were hated. Who? What was going on around them? The, I mean, Buster Posey and like they were like I feel like nobody even talked about them at that point. They were as they, they were, were they were talked about. I feel like they were as ignored as any dynastic title team we've ever seen. Yes, people turned on the Warriors. Obviously, people turned on the Patriots. MJ's Bulls, I think, are the closest ones that like. You're really going to hate Michael Jordan? We were just so in awe of him. And right. he was such a celebrity in his own right, not only because of what he was doing on the basketball court, but he just became a transformative figure in our society. And I think every, I mean, I was really young at the time. So maybe and a girl from the Midwest, from Illinois. So maybe my viewpoint of Michael Jordan is a little skewed because everywhere I was, people just loved and adored him. He, But I'm sure to other fan bases, he was the villain. Yeah, I mean, growing up in New York, Knicks fans obviously hated him because he beat them, but it was a different. It was like, as you just said, they were in such awe of him that I don't, I don't think it's a similar hate as what we've seen now in sports. Um, Mike on ninety four point three joins us here. What's up, Mike? Hey, how y'all doing? I just want to say I hate Patrick Mahomes with everything I love. I hate his walk. I hate his hairstyle. <laughs> I hate how he talks. I hate everything about him. Everything. Mike, why do you hate him? Because I'm a Charger fan. <laughs> see, see, this is exactly why he's the villain. Yeah, because he crushes his dreams. I, I get it. Like, there's the inevitability part of it, right? Like, it's this is where they're going to be competing in the championship rounds, no matter what it looks like in the regular season, no matter how down and out that we want to frame them as. They're always going to find a way. And it takes away from the theater that we want to be able to assign to our sports and entertainment, right? Like a part of what makes a good show is the unpredictability, the twists and the turns. And yet and still, it seems like with the Kansas City Chiefs, they're always going to be there no matter what it might look like the first few months or what it looked like in the regular season. And so I think because you don't have that element of drama, because you know they're going to be there – you get turned off by it because it feels like this unstoppable force similar to gravity. Yeah, you don't want to watch the movie if you know the end. If somebody spoiled it for you, it's no not as fun. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the spoilers. We we likely know how this is going to end. And so it does, as CeCe said, remove that suspense and that drama. But that's where I think the dominance in sports factors in positively because – it's going to mean more if the Niners beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. It meant more when the Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors, even though they were all banged up. When LeBron beat the Warriors, as we've discussed. When CC's Giants teams beat the Patriots. Like, it just, it's when the Marlins in 2003 beat the Yankees. When the Diamondbacks in 2001 beat the Yankees. When you have that level of dominance in sports, it just allows for those bigger moments to happen when you beat that team. Mark in uh, North Carolina, listening on 99.9, the fan in Raleigh. What's up, Mark? Hey, morning, guys. Um, I'm going to look at it from the other side of the coin. It ain't that I hate Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I hate that the teams that we build up all year long, like Buffalo, Baltimore, and some of these other teams that go in – they, they have the kryptonite to take down Superman, and then they throw it away or fumble it away or poor game planning or a missed field goal. And 
and Superman just stands there because he's not even getting touched. And that's what I hate. When these teams are supposed to be able to have their year, they throw it away. Are we sure they're really supposed to be able to have their year, though, if it's against that guy? Are we sure, looking back on it, that Buffalo, as, as great as they were in the second half of the season, Josh Allen, to his credit, was had a much better second half than first half? Do they really have the kryptonite for the Kansas City Chiefs? Because we've never seen that. I mean, they were right there. A, a missed kick. Some incompletions down the stretch. They were right there. So why wouldn't it be their year? The, the Ravens abandoned the run. Why would you do that? You know, we, a great point. we look at the Bills and the Ravens as underachieving based on the talent that they have. And even though it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, based on what we saw from them this season, it feels like they overachieved to get to the Super Bowl. Yet it feels weird to ever assign that word to somebody like Patrick Mahomes over underachieving overachieving you know he's just great he's just consistent yeah but there's again, just achieving it's just achieving but it's just achieving it's the perfect way to put it <laughs> oh and three against him in the playoffs I can't say which the bills are I can't say you have the kryptonite you have all of what it takes no you don't because you don't have 15 <laughs> you just don't have him he is Superman so you don't actually there is no kryptonite Maybe Brady, but obviously that's not happening anytime soon or anytime ever again. Dari in Buffalo watching on ESPNU. What's up, Dari? Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. So I am a Chiefs fan in Buffalo, oh. so I'm not well-liked and <laughs> everything. But I got to tell you, I absolutely love Mahomes. And, you know, it's a hard thing to do when you live in this city because everybody's rooting for the underdog and, and whatever. But you got to appreciate his greatness. And I absolutely fell in love with the Chiefs a few years back, more more so with Tyreek and the, and the fun of all of it. It wasn't even about winning a Super Bowl. It was watching them week in and week out and um, just appreciating the greatness of how he gets it done. And he has all the fancy throws and all that. But you know what? He's the leader. And um, they make it fun so you can love to hate him. But um, you got to love him at the end of the day, and and I'm totally rooting for him. I mean, i got to be honest with you. If they would have lost to Lamar, I would have been like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. But no, now, hey, you got to be all in for the Chiefs and and go Chiefs. And um, just wondered, got to ask you guys this. Do you think that the players in the league feel like that about Mahomes? Do you think they have, like, a hatred toward him or – you know, are they just admiring his greatness too? So that's, that's all good, I got. Thank question. you. No, I think they, they admire his greatness, but at the same time they want to beat him. But I guess that's what makes Kansas City so fascinating and so unique, right? Because it's more reminiscent of the 2010s Golden State Warriors than it is the 90s Bulls or, or the, the 2000s Patriots. Like, this is these are very likable characters in these storylines, right? Totally. Patrick Mahomes is very likable. Andy Reid is very likable. How many head coaches you hear talking about cheeseburgers? Like you just you just don't like the way, even the way they orchestrated some of the plays and them doing ring around the rosy yeah. in an actual NFL game. There, it, there is a childlike enthusiasm that permeates throughout the organization. It's joyful. It's joyful, and mm. so for them to to actually be the villains. It's a little bit of a spin on this, and I guess that's going to put this, I, I, I don't know, this, this you know, I guess championship fatigue that we have or this Chiefs fatigue to the test. Like, I, I guess you call it the success tax. It's going to test that theory yeah. because these are people that you should like based on how they go about their business and how they play the game of football. They represent all that's good in the NFL. 
like in terms of what they do on the field, what they do off the field, how they present themselves, how they you know interact with fans, all of the things that you would want. That that's what they are. They are as buttoned up as you can have an operation, and yet they're not alienating the public by being standoffish. They invite people to be a part of the fun in the way that they play. And so if you're if you're turned off by the Kansas City Chiefs, what you are in effect saying is you don't want to see anybody have sustained success at this level. You don't want the the Chiefs to have the inevitability of being in the conference championship game or being in the Super Bowl every year. You don't want to see that. That's what you're saying. Well, you guys made the perfect comp, and you used the word joyful, right? That's the Warriors' mantra is joy. It's it, That's what they are. They're the Warriors. It's just, they're not the Patriots, right? They 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 act and play with joy just like the Warriors do. We're on, or did, I should say. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, you guys know I'm pumped up for Thursday. NBA trade deadline. Love all the player movements. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, Joins us now on Unsportsmanlike with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, and Evan Cohen. And I'm sitting there yesterday, and I'm listening to Bobby and Woj on the Woj pod. And I got discouraged because, <laughs> Bobby, really? Lack of movement this week? I should, we should expect lack of movement. Sell me on why there could be movement, please, Bobby. Well, if you got discouraged yesterday, I wouldn't recommend listening to the pod today. <laughs> no, well, just, no, we had fun it was last. Just released, we had, so we had fun last night with that. And I listen. We're we're kind of in this. Um, I guess it's in between stage right now where we've got this new collective bargaining agreement and then there's a set of harsh restrictions that are going to take place starting on um, in, in mid-April here. And you've got a lot of teams that are reluctant to take back money. Um, you've got a lot of teams. I think we've got 11 teams that control 75% of the first round picks in the next seven years. Mm. So there's a monopoly of teams like Oklahoma City and San Antonio and New York and Utah that are controlling all these first round picks. 
And then the other thing too is that it's it's a lot harder to, to make trades um, under this new collective bargaining agreement as far as the ability to take back back money here. Um, and we've already seen Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, you know, two of the marquee guys, get traded. Um, you know, within uh, you know, I guess within the last six weeks here, uh, play the uh, the playing tournament. I mean, there's a lot of different a lot of different factors here. We'll see movement. Um, I'm not sure. We saw last year 15 trades the week of the dead, deadline, and on the deadline, I don't I don't know if we'll hit that number this year. Bobby, you mentioned the new limitations when it comes to teams taking back salary when it comes to draft picks, and and an idea that Evan and I both floated yesterday in the wake of the Joel Embiid news was the Philadelphia 76ers being sellers at the deadline and all of those expiring contracts, trading those guys away, bringing back salary, but also bringing back first-round draft picks for their troubles so they could have uh, ammunition to go out and improve the team once we get to this summer. I'm just curious, how does the Embiid of it all dictate how Philadelphia operates at the trade deadline this week. Yeah, pre pre agency, I guess that's what we call it, right? When yep. you start doing things early in, in February, I think you have to be careful as far as taking back salary. Um, you know, they've got twelve expiring contracts. As far as taking back salary that extends into next year, is how those players fit in with Joel Embiid? Um, because we probably won't see him for for a little bit of time. Um, you've got three first round picks right now to trade. Um, the appeal of their expirings is not high, but as you said, what player is out there? Um, Malcolm Brogdon, for example, who's got another year left. Kyle Kuzma, who's got uh, three years left. Um, you know, player Dejounte Murray, Bruce Brown. I think the, your your goal, and this was even if um, you know if Embiid was healthy. Would it be to target guys who either had a team option or a non-guarantee next year? That kind of you can kind of hedge your bet. You can improve the roster right now, and then you could still have your flexibility. Um, you could still have your flexibility uh, next um, next year here. Now Philadelphia is four and eleven without Joel Embiid. I can make the case that if we're talking two two months from now, Philadelphia could be in the playing tournament. I mean, I think that's the reality of the situation here is for, for where this Eastern Conference is. So. On one hand, you don't want to punt on on the, on the trade deadline, but on the other end, it kind of comes back to there's there's not any marquee guys out there um, that you're willing to kind of take back long term money for. Bobby, we've been reading the tea leaves a lot with LeBron James and the Lakers with the hourglass with the Knicks towel. It see it seems like LeBron is sending some messages to his team. But how do you think the Lakers should approach the trade deadline? Well, they're kind of in the same situation. They're one of these teams that we call them potential second apron teams. So this is kind of really their last big, um, the last really big trade deadline before how they improve outside of what they already have. They've played better basketball, certainly with the wins in Boston, New York, and then uh, in Charlotte. They go back home, um, but the likelihood is that this team is going to be in the in the playing tournament as a seven or eight seed here. Um, the the hard part for the Lakers is that they've got one first round pick to trade. Outside of LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves, what player on the roster? Um, has positive value that you don't have to attach a draft pick. And I know D'Angelo Russell has played better. I don't think a first-round pick is going to get it done for um, DeJounte Murray here. You you look at what they've done. They they basically have AD, LeBron, Austin Reeves, and Max Christie, the only players on the roster since December 2022. So they've continually tried to turn around. But eventually, as I said last week, like you need a dance partner. Like if you're going to go to the if you want to go out and dance, you need someone out there to dance with you. And there's just nobody out there right now. 
We're talking with ESPN front office insider, NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Bobby, one of the guys and teams that I look at leading up to Thursday is the Golden State Warriors, and I, I keep coming back to one guy. How did the Golden State Warriors improve their team without touching anyone that won a championship for them? Well, that's... The, that's Chris the, Paul, right? Yeah, well, it has to be. It's kind of a proce- process of elimination. Now, you know, if... You know, if, if you're in that Golden State front office, it, you're trying to balance as far as the sentiment factor, as far as, you know, certainly remove Steph Curry from the mix. But you've got Clay Thompson on an expiring contract. What's the future of Clay Thompson? Um, where they are, right? In a normal world, NBA world, you would be looking for trade suitors for Clay Thompson to try to maybe recoup a first round pick. I think that, uh, and I know that there's that sentiment there as far as him winning you four, four championships. Now, if it's not Chris Paul, and it's not Draymond, and it's not the young players here. It comes back to as far as flipping Chris Paul, because the likelihood is that he's got a non-guaranteed contract for next year. If you want to bring back Clay, he's going to be the odd man out anyway when you get to um, when you get to, to June here. Um, so that would be that would be the end goal as far as trying to you know move off that contract. Bobby, the New York Knicks, I believe they have eight tradable first-round draft picks. I mean, this time last week, they were in the number two spot in the Eastern Conference standings. I'm just curious. It, like, I, I get that they're dealing with the Julius Randle injury, but I, I'm curious, though, if, if the Knicks are ever going to use those picks and, and, and try to get over the hump. This feels like this would be the year that they would, no? Yeah, I mean, the East is as wide. If, you were in, if, if New York was in the Western Conference, I would say, wait a minute, like just hold on because the Western Conference is grueling. This Eastern Conference is wide open. And uh, even though Boston is sitting up top, you look at what's going on in Milwaukee, certainly with Philadelphia, Cleveland right now, I think is you know right could be the two seed or three seed. Um, it, it's open. They've got eight first, as you said. Uh, they've got I think eleven seconds. They've got this Evan Fournier, um, Evan Fournier contract. I joked last week, and I know it won't happen, but I said I'd call Brooklyn and see what what the availability of Mikael Bridges is. Now, listen, Brooklyn and New, and New York have not done a trade in forty one years. I don't think we're going to see one this year. When I worked in the Nets, we never even called the Knicks and, and made an offer for anything here. So I don't think that, you know, certainly that's not going to happen. But, I, you know, that's what I would be looking at here because eventually you've got the Randall injury. You've got um, Ananobi who's still out and hopefully is back soon. The minutes for this group, and I think you saw that Saturday night against the Lakers, yep. the minutes will take its toll on this group here when you've, you're, you're basically playing playoff-type lineups at game 43, game 44, and you will need some reinforcements here. Bobby, I think that what's interesting, you know, you've, you've brought up and you've written about the idea of the, all the first round picks with 11 teams, right? Which would off like what would the balance of buyer and seller is a little weird here because those who would want to sell would want those first round picks back. Those who want to buy don't have those first round picks. So for teams like Chicago and Atlanta and Toronto, is there a sale market for them right now? Well, you know, Atlanta is interesting because they had won, I think, three in a row before losing to, to the Clippers. Now, if you're in that front office, you're thinking, wait a minute, we've played better basketball. And I think that's a little bit of fool's gold here. I think the reality is that this has been a below 500 team before Quinn Snyder took over. It's been a below 500 team right now here. Um, but you traded two first round, unprotected first and a pick swap for DeJounte Murray. You're likely not getting that back, um, back in a deal here, and then on and Chicago's um, and you know remove Zach Levine who has who's going to have surgery here. Alex Caruso, I mean, you're not getting two first, and I think that's what you would be looking for. I've we it hasn't been talked about, but what's going to happen with Demar Derozan? That's the that's the big thing here. Where basically 
if you're the 10th seed and you've got a player of that caliber um, on an expiring contract, that would be the guy teams should be targeting. But we really haven't seen um, anything at all, uh, you know, reported with him. And in Toronto, I think it's, you know, Bruce Brown and Gary Trent Jr., two guys, um, two guys that are potentially could be on expiring contracts. Very quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. Is there another name or team that we have not brought up that you would want to bring up leading up to the deadline? I just think the Thunder are the wild card here. I, I really do. I mean, I know they've got, you know, 11 tradable first, and um, I, I just think is there a big out there they can get as far as some protection for Chet Holmgren? Um, you know, Sam Presti is kind of, you know, keeps these picks to his vest here, but I would, I would, you know, for me, I would circle Oklahoma city. Bobby, great job as always. We'll listen to the pod today. As you said, it's going to discourage us from <laughs> with Woj. I'm literally on the treadmill listening to that yesterday, getting bothered. Make the trade. It will not discourage you. Trust me. We, okay. And we had batteries this time. We got the show off to a good start. <laughs> Bobby Marks, ESPN front office insider, will be all over our NBA coverage, including the Woj pod this week. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks, guys. Coming up, uh, an NFL head coach. Similar problems to something I've had in my life. Uh, very intimidating. Very imposing. What can I say? Oh, we'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. So Bill Belichick's unemployed as a head coach. Pete Carroll's unemployed as a head coach. And Mike Vrabel is unemployed as a head coach. Belichick, we've heard age and lack of collaboration. Pete Carroll, we've heard Age, I guess, is an issue. We never really understood why would Vrabel not get a job considering all of the great success he had in Tennessee. Well, not saying this is the sole reason, but a reason that has been out there, per Diana Rossini of The Athletic, she said, quote, an anonymous GM told her that, quote, he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization. She then responded by tweeting out, I absolutely laughed at the notion, but the GM followed up by saying, quote, I'm just telling you, I've been in rooms and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. Then she writes, however, this is not the reason, despite it being a very entertaining theory, but it was brought up that his physical presence could be a reason that he doesn't get a kick. He's two. I mean, you're six eight. What three hundred plus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Have you felt like that has hurt you in getting job? I mean, obviously, how can it? You're sitting here. Yeah, it's a different kind of job, though. Right? I guess. I, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about sports as opposed to being in a room with a lot of decision makers within an organization, and that's the thing. The head coach 
is one of the key decision makers within any franchise, and these are billion-dollar organizations. So you got to deal with not only ownership but team presidents and other executives. And and I could get how Mike Vrabel could come across as intimidating based on his physical stature. Now, to that, I would say that's a ham and egg operation if they let that get in the way of having somebody that's competent in the head coaching role do their job. But I could, I also do understand that people aren't infallible in that that could factor into the math in terms of somebody being easy to deal with versus, you know, somebody that that might not be as, you know, amenable to doing things the way that owners and team presidents want to do things. So I get it. I get that there's a push and pull that constantly exists between the football operation and the business of the team, but you can't let that get in the way of having somebody as good at their job as Mike Vrabel is at his. Yeah, look at the Detroit Lions. I mean, Dan Campbell's physical stature and his intimidation factor is used as a positive, is used as an identity point. It's used as part of the way that the culture has shifted in Detroit. And I remember we talked to Mike Lombardi, what was it, last week or two weeks ago, and he was talking about Bill Belichick and how a lot of people have the guard your desk mentality in the NFL. No doubt. And... I can imagine that it is a little intimidating to have somebody like Mike Vrabel be somebody you might have to have as your adversary if you're trying to make a point or a deal and you might not want to step to him. But I think that's really short-sighted because I look at the Detroit Lions and look how they have taken a former player like Dan Campbell and rallied around him and used his intimidating stature and just the way that he approaches the game as a kind of a tough-nosed football guy and made that a positive for their organization. Can I tell you something? I'm not saying this 100% true. I'm just telling you, this is not the first time I've heard of something like this. I've heard of it the other way. Whereas a team, and this was in basketball, wanted a coach that was physically bigger than their most influential player on the court because they wanted the stature. I, I, and when the person said this to me, I'm like, this cannot be true. This is ridiculous. But they said, no, this is what they're hearing. It was never reported, and I'm not going to go with the team and the specifics because I'm just saying it's hearsay. But when I heard this story, I immediately think back to that because it's not the first time I've heard something like this. I don't understand it, but I've heard about this. No, that exists. Uh, We can't dismiss that. That's a real thing. But I think oftentimes people conflate presence with stature. Just because you're a big person doesn't mean you have any presence when you walk in a room. Uh And so I think that's the part that – you know, with Mike Vrabel, it could be off-putting. It's because he's a big person and he has a lot of presence. If you've ever been around him, you understand that. He's had that as a player. He's had that as a coach. Just being in and around football, you know when Mike Vrabel's in the room. And so I think that that could be one of those things that makes people a little bit uncomfortable, especially if they want to push back against some of the things that Mike Vrabel wants to do. Now, What happened in Tennessee, there was a power struggle between him and their newly appointed general manager, Rand Carthon, and we see that Mike Vrabel was on the losing side of it. This is somebody that wanted to assert more power in the organization because of what he was doing with the team on the field. And through the hodgepodge of quarterbacks, whether it was Ryan Tannehill or Josh Dobbs, Malik Willis, Will Levis, he found a way to make the team consistently competitive, even when their season was lost. Think about it. That game that they had on Monday Night Football down in Miami. They beat the Miami Dolphins, a team that had a plus 100-point differential in one-double-digit games. They found a way to win that game. Why? Because Mike Vrabel can muck up a game like nobody's business. He finds a way to do things. He has a very Mike Tomlin-esque type of quality about him, but then also a similar type of presence in terms of commanding respect when he walks in the rooms. So if he wants to do something different, 
and the non-football people or you know the executives want to push back on it, it becomes hard to do that because of his physical stature, but also you know the weight of when he's in the room. But when you look at that as a positive, though, like if I'm a decision maker and he comes in and he's not not only got the physical stature but the presence, isn't that a positive in him getting the locker room to believe in him? I mean, wouldn't you react a certain way as a player if he walks in and has that presence and that command? Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes a world of difference. I guess I've played for strong head coaches. That's all I know, right? I played for Bill Parcells. I played for John Harbaugh. I played for Tom Coughlin. You know, those are strong head coaches. You know what I mean? So that 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 is something that I can identify with, I can relate with. And here's the thing with this generation of athlete, they want to be collaborative, but they also want somebody that has that credibility and that has that resume. And Mike Vrabel has that. You know, and from all accounts from people that I've talked to, he's been a coach that has an open door policy that you can go up to and talk to. So he doesn't remove himself from the guys in the locker room in that way. He's in it with you. He's in the trenches with you. So that's why I was I was shocked that the Tennessee Titans would move off of him. But 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 again, when it comes to those types of dynamics where you have a general manager and a head coach and aren't necessarily on the same timeline, you could end up with this situation where there is a power dynamic and somebody loses out. This whole collaborative narrative is such a bunch of crap in this hiring cycle. I'm sorry. I'm so sick of this already. Like, Go ask any coach that's worked for Belichick if he collaborates with them. The answer is yes. Go ask any coach that works with Vrabel if he collaborates. Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel, remember before their game against each other this year? They were joking around because they love each other with the mustache bit. It's just ridiculous. It's not collaborating with the coaches on the staff or the players. It's collaborating with people that are in the organization. Mm-hmm. But they shouldn't be collaborating with. I agree with you. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> because it drives I'm me crazy. I'm agreeing with because you. Because you want to collaborate. We're on your side. No, no, but it just, I'm not saying there shouldn't be communication and collaboration are two different things okay communicating with the non-football people on what the football department is doing absolutely needs to happen okay we have a great sales team here we should be communicating as to what we're doing on our show the sales team is not collaborating with nuno and pat and javante at putting together the show totally different communication yes collaboration that's crap I'm sorry. So Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick are left out of a coaching cycle because they're not telling the marketing people what defense they're running? Give me a break. That sounds great, but when you have a billionaire that signs everybody's Mm -hmm. checks within the franchise and the team president that might have his ear in a way that the coach or the GM doesn't, when they want to make a football decision because they think it would be in the best interest of the business, and oh, by the way, it could lead to us winning – they want to have a seat at the table. They want that. And that's why you hear about player, players and coaches not wanting to sign up and play with certain franchises or coach at certain franchises because there are owners in the NFL that can't get out of their own way or more specifically not get out of the way of football people trying to take care of football business. I guarantee you one of the best feelings in the world is when you're involved in everything and then you have experts in other things and you can say, you know what? She should do that. She's amazing at that. I don't need to do that. Why would I be involved? She's better than me at that. I don't want to collaborate. I want to communicate. We're Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? 
You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.